0: You're listening to the RSL Random Fan Podcast, the podcast for Real Salt Lake fans of every age and level of soccer knowledge and experience, even for those who have never played the game. Your hosts are lead instigator and Real Salt Lake fan from the beginning, Brant Goebel, Major League Soccer OG and national team lover, Tyler Thomas, and the kid who keeps them all in line and the only one with any fashion sense whatsoever, Brennan Goebel. On the podcast, they share their random thoughts after every Real Salt Lake match, win or lose. Besides team and game commentary, they work to bring you the highest quality Real Salt Lake and soccer community content. Content that includes interviews with Real Salt Lake insiders, current and former players, and random fans just like you. They also talk soccer from around the world, from the U.S. men's national team to little clubs like Manchester United Arsenal, and my personal favorite, Tottenham, and the behemoth that is Crawley Town FC. Enjoy this episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast.
1: All right, it's another episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. I'm Brand Goble, and I'm joined by our friend from a very far away, across the pond, as they say, Gary Smith, the voice of the juggernaut known as Crawley Town football club Gary how are you
2: I'm doing very well Brian yeah very well indeed how are you
1: not too bad I'm getting kind of excited I've got my pass paid for I'm ready to watch every single Crawley Town game on the iFollow like I did last year and and harass you during the games as uh, <laughs> that's fine I'm, I'm
2: looking forward to being back and, and being harassed by you and, and hopefully many other people
1: yeah and also is, isn't this the last year of that are they moving to something new when it comes to broadcasting the games?
2: Yeah, I think they are from the, uh, when that goes into the the, 24, 25 season, as it will be. Um, Yeah, some different deal where uh, Crawley fans might find kickoff times and things moved around. And yeah, all sorts of variations. But I I think that's something that you need to maybe take a bit more of a look at as it gets closer to the time to to find out how that's going to affect, certainly how it might affect Things from a, a commentary perspective, whether that's going to mean I'm I'm going to have to sort of change timings to to be there at different times on a Saturday or maybe even a Sunday, and certainly what it might mean for the fans in terms of being able to uh, to to watch and listen to games.
1: Nice. And are, are they moving the games around? Because like three thirty, that's the pretty much the League Two time. Is there? It's kind of been sacrosanct there.
2: Um. I think there's the possibility. I mean, the discussion is still in place at the moment that there could be a variation of kickoff times, much like there is in the Premier League. Um, some could be like a lunchtime on a Saturday. Some could still be uh, your regulation sort of three o'clock like we have at the moment. Some could be later on a Saturday, say half past five. Some could possibly move to a Sunday, you know, two o'clock, four o'clock, you know, that sort of thing. Some might be a, a Friday evening, which some league two games are at the present time. Um, if they're, you know, picked for the television rights and things like that, or even a you know, a Monday night, I don't quite know what the deal might be when it gets into midweek pictures, but certainly for the Saturday things or the weekend things, as I guess it will be, um, they're the possibilities that are, that are currently being looked at, I believe.
1: Nice. So let's talk about league two. You have the, what are the feelings towards the league As you have the, the, uh, Wrexham that's coming in. They yep. seem. I don't know if they're taking up all the bandwidth over there, but you still hear about them here all the time. They did a, Uh, barnstorming tour across the U S playing teams and uh, selling out quite a few stadiums. They were uh, quite the experience over the summer.
2: Yeah. They're still, they're still a big draw, aren't they? And I I think they will be a a big team to watch out for in, in league two in the coming season. They'll, I don't think they'll have things all their own way, but I think they'll certainly uh, plow their way through and, and juggernaut their way through to, I think at the very least the playoffs. And I think that's, Pretty much what the expectations are of their fans and and their owners and clearly the the ownership the names of the ownership is a a big draw for people that go to watch Wrexham, isn't it? Because um, you know player-wise they've obviously got some good players on board. I, I did read the other day that their top scorer Paul Mullen is is now going to be out for a while because he, he picked up a punctured lung on the the tour that that you were just talking about. But they've certainly got plenty of strength in depth and and they they seem to have that ability to. You know, if Mullins say he's not going to be available for half the season, they'll just dip in and buy somebody of equivalent value, as it were, um, who will sort of roughly score the same amount of goals. Um, so they'll definitely be there or thereabouts. Um, I think they might find League Two, uh, you know, tougher than the National League. That's taking nothing away from, from teams in the National League. That's a, that's a very, very tough league to get out of. Um, but you would certainly anticipate that Wrexham will be, you know, there or thereabouts at the very least in the playoffs come the end of the season.
1: How are the feelings over there from the fans that aren't maybe Rexham fans about the high, um, what, what's the word? Um, the fancy owners, the fancy American owners, the famous American owners. Um, yeah. What are the thoughts on? Is there resentment or is everyone excited? How does that play out over there?
2: No, I, I don't think there's too much resentment. I think a lot of people are, are glad to see Rexham back. In the football league, um, you know, how, however they've got there, whether it be courtesy of the owners that they've got in place, Ryan Reynolds and and people like that, or you know, if they've got there any other way, I think people are just glad to see Wrexham as a football club back in the football league. So, so I don't think there's too much resentment. I think the only level of resentment might come from um, maybe other teams in League Two that, that have American owners. Brant <laughs> about the fact <laughs> that <it's laughs> clearly, yeah, and that's obviously a subject that's that's close to. To, to your heart and, and to my heart with, with the team that we follow. Um, I wouldn't say a, a resentment, but I think just a little bit of of jealousy about the success that Wrexham have currently had under their ownership. Um, maybe if you also look at, at Gillingham in League Two, who also have American owners, they've obviously spent a lot of money and seem to have uh, assembled a, a good squad um, for the coming season. I think a lot of people are tipping them to do very, very well and be you know, sort of there or thereabouts again, certainly within touching distance of the playoffs, if not above come the end of the season. So I don't know if there's resentment, but there might be a, a few little sparks of uh, of jealousy about the way things have been, been handled at Wrexham. Let's just put it that way. But I think everybody is, is happy to see Wrexham just in general as a football club back in the football league. It, it's the very least where they belong.
1: Well, that's that's fantastic. So let's let's talk about the difference in American owners. Um, there's a few American owners. You got Wrexham, Ryan Reynolds, and and those guys. And then you mentioned Gillingham and and Crawley Town. Are they the only ones that are owned by Americans at the moment?
2: They're the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there may be somewhere there's like a partial, a, a small, a small percentage of of you know overseas investors or something like that. But I think of the big. You know, certainly the the big percentage of American ownership is certainly is it is it Sam Gallinson I think who's the man at at Gillingham. Oh, I don't know. quite a lot of money in. Uh, obviously Ryan Reynolds, like we've talked about at Wrexham, and then we have the chaps from from Wigan United with with Crawley, and I think if we have to cast our mind back maybe twelve months or so, Brent, you and I were probably talking about this stage last year with quite high expectations of of what Crawley were going to achieve. Um. You know there had been a flurry of new signings. Dom Telford had come in as the the top scorer in League Two from the previous season when he was with Newport County, uh, and expectations were very high. And it, it didn't things didn't obviously pan out the way anybody anticipated. Um, it's it's interesting really because I I spoke to a I interviewed a a fan a season ticket holder before the game at Bromley on Saturday, and and he said he he does now believe he's got complete faith in in Scott Lindsay and what he's trying to do. And, and from the couple of friendlies that I've seen so far this season, I only saw the Crystal Palace game and the game at Bromley on Saturday. You can see a visual change in the way that Crawley are, are likely to, to try and play this season. And I think the performance on Saturday at Bromley, bear in mind that Bromley themselves got into the playoffs in the National League last season, only went out in the semi semifinals. Um, it, it was a good victory. It was a tough test. It was a good victory. Bromley said to me that they were missing a few players, but then, you know, Crawley didn't have Ben Gladwin playing. They didn't have Nick Sarula playing. They didn't have Dion Conroy playing. Because obviously the new lad that signed just before kickoff was only on the bench. Crawley have made a signing again this afternoon of a central defender, ironically from Gillingham. Um oh, strange to see somebody somebody <laughs> going the other way for a change <laughs> yeah. and yeah, coming was... to Crawley. Um but I, I think I, I don't think there will be as much resentment towards the owners of Crawley had last season panned out differently. If Crawley had finished sort of mid table or, you know, pushing towards the, the upper half of the table, or maybe even towards the top 10, then I think the feelings towards the owners would have been very, very different. I, I just think that feeling crept in because of the players that were sort of being allowed to go through the door on the way out. Um, some people questioned the quality of the players that were coming in. Results obviously weren't going Crawley's way on the pitch. Scott came in in January and sort of steadied the ship and, and made sure that Crawley got over the line to be in the Football League again next season. Um, but I, you know, I, with my BBC hat on for a moment, I clearly can't get too in, involved in, you know, yes. the owners and, and you know, ha- how I feel about things. But I I did say to a lot of people when they took over, you just hope that they did it or they were going to do it correctly and that they didn't just use it as a a plaything, to... You know move on to to other clubs you know make make their mistakes as it were with Crawley and then move on and try and do things better at another club because you have to remember they'd already been uh, rebuffed hadn't they by by Bradford City before they came to take over at Crawley yeah I, think, I think also they went through a I few teams also, yeah um, I think also the sometimes the the lack of the presence of the owners at games or the lack of a voice from the owners or a comment, or, you know, to, just a little statement to, to tell the fans exactly what's going on. Um, I know Preston's been unwell and he's had to spend a lot of time back in the States and all that sort of thing. And he was at quite a handful of games when the season kicked off last season. But when things weren't going well on the pitch, the absence of the owners from being anywhere around the ground or anywhere in contact with the fans or the club, I think also played a big part in that, that level of resentment that the fans had.
1: Is, has that changed? I know uh, he, he Preston was on. I don't know if it was uh, Twitter Space or something, and it was uh, something not uh, directly involving Crawley Town. But then he made the comment that uh, now you're going to get the crazy Crawley fans coming in. I think they were trying to get him to make comments and stuff. Has are they figuring out how to be better owners, or is it still? Do you still think they have a ways to go to con- reconnect? with the fans because that seems to be the magic at wrexham is the owners connecting with fans
2: i think i think maybe the the crawley guys still have quite a long way to go (coughs) um there was that example last year with with preston being in the dugout wasn't there when uh you know before scott was appointed thinking that he was doing the right thing by sort of being there in support of the manager and a lot of people looked upon that as a little bit of a you know, a very strange and maybe an unwise thing to do, as it were. So I think they'll, I think they'll hold their hands up and say they've made some mistakes along the way. Um, clearly, over this summer as well, you know, the revolving door's been been very busy, hasn't it, with with people on the way out. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that Scott's hands weren't sort of tied a little bit on some of the deals and some of the players that went. Obviously, I'm not I'm not privy to the. You know the ins and outs of the conversations about you know players, whether it was contractual or financial, that they, they wanted to move on or had to move on if it was a financial thing or something like that. But I, I think a lot of fans still just find it a little bit weird some of the names that have gone. You know, Jack Powell last season, player of the year. James Tilley, the away travel, uh, player of the season. Ashley Nelson, the player's player of the season from last year. All three of these people have gone, um, you know, along with some others. But you, you know, I said to Scott on Saturday after the game at Bromley, you you have to give the new players that are coming in a chance, and Scott obviously feels that they're gonna, you know, the players that he's bringing in are gonna fit the bill for the squad and the the team that he's that he's trying to build, um, and 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 you have to give it time. You know, the the club will always be the the most important thing. Players will come and go, but but at the end of the day, the club will always be the most important thing.
1: Yeah, I was trying to find it. I think. Uh... Since Wagme took over, there's only four players that were on the roster the day they took over left. Right. And, okay. Um there's also I saw one they kept, but they've actually got um, let go quite a pretty good decent team if you had them all together. You had Glenn Morris in goal and Frankham and Tunnicliffe and Craig and Dallison, Matthews, Powell, Hessenthaler, Cerula's still here. Yeah. I yeah. I think they're keeping Nick Cerula. But then you have Tom Nichols and Ashley Madison That that's quite, that's quite a team to let go on their own individually
2: and as a group. I think I saw, I saw a graphic the other day that, uh, of the team that started when Crawley beat Leeds United in the FA Cup a few years ago. It is only Nick Sarula that's still you know, at Crawley. Everyone else has moved on. Jordan Tunnick, if you mentioned, is obviously on the, the Wrexham you know, roller coaster, isn't he, at the present time as well. So he'll be back at, at Crawley this season. Nadison and Morris and, uh, and Nichols—they'll be back at the Broadfield Stadium in a few weeks' time when Gillingham come to town. That's one of the first home games for Crawley. Jack Powell—he'll come back with with Crew. Tilly—he'll come back with AFC Wimbledon. So a lot of—I think that's another thing that's rankled with the fans just a little bit, Brant, is the fact that these players have gone to clubs in the same division as well. You know, you—you've got no issue with a player going to try and better themselves, and if if Tom Nichols or Nadison had gone into League One or into the Championship, you would have... You know, you think back to Max Waters, who was a tremendous player for, for Crawley Town. When he got the opportunity to go to Cardiff, you know, nothing was... There was no point trying to stand in his way because he was notching himself up a couple of levels. And as a player, I guess you always want to try and play at the highest level, don't you? Yeah, and... You know, no issue with that at all. It's I think it's when players go to clubs... And I don't mean it disrespectfully, you know, Jack Powell going to Crewe, Tilly going to Wimbledon, the other boys going to Gillingham. All right, Gillingham might do something this season, but you don't really get the feeling that Crewe or, or Wimbledon are going to do too much. So I think that, that doesn't sit easily with the fans either, that these players have gone to opposition clubs.
1: And does that, does that come back to the owners, maybe a little naivete or um, not it's sending possibly. them off to
2: somewhere else? quite possibly but then again you think to yourself well if these players made you know demands that that Crawley couldn't satisfy then maybe it was only going to be clubs that were going to come in for them from the same division just, do you see what I mean yeah um, it, it might it might just have been a case of that I don't know because like I say I'm not I'm not privy to the the contractual side of things with, with each of the players and you know, I just, I just pick up the microphone at 5 to 3 on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, Brent, and, <laughs> and go with the 11 players that are out there in a red shirt.
1: <laughs> so what are your thoughts? There, there have been a lot of people, a lot of players going out, but there also has some, a lot of players coming in. What are your yeah. thoughts on some of the players that have come in? Um, I, I'm kind of a Ben Gladwin fan. I know he came in yeah. last year, and watching him play, I think you use the term Rolls-Royce, or that's Rolls-Royce player. And uh, yeah. I really enjoyed him. He's very confident on the ball and and quite uh-huh. the presence out there. But what are some of your thoughts on some of the new players coming in?
2: Well, it's been difficult to judge some of them because, like I said, I've only seen two games. Um, the games that I've seen, um, you know, as is with most friendlies, at, the, at this stage of the season, there's been multiple substitutions throughout the course of the game. And Scott's obviously been using the friendlies to look at different players, maybe in different positions and different formations. But of those that I've seen – uh, a young lad by the name of Liam Kelly Looks very, very comfortable On the ball uh, Will be that sort of player to, to pick the ball up off of the defence And won't do anything Overly spectacular with the pass But he'll find another player in a Crawley shirt If you like And that's the main thing that you want people to do um, Ronan Darcy Looks very comfortable on the ball as well On Saturday I've been quite impressed with uh, He came in back end of last week From from Scott's old club, Swindon Yeah, uh, R- Ronan Darcy Um, Jay Williams also looks very, very good. Looks like he could be a sort of one of those players who's going to drop back and and play in a defensive role when the other team are attacking, but he's also got the legs and the ability to spring forward and find that killer pass when Crawley are attacking. So he'll sort of be a a defender, I guess, when the other team have got the ball, but then he'll become a midfielder when Crawley break that down and try and sort of spring forward themselves. the, the strikers as well, uh, Danilo Orsi, looks quite lively, uh, looks okay. I think he'll he'll possibly link up quite well with... Um, Didn't with he Dom score Tilbury against um, Bromley? He did score. Yeah, they scored two very, very good goals uh, against Bromley. He did get the second goal from a, a wonderful little through ball by Jay Williams that we just mentioned. And he also supplied the pass for Lolos to get the first goal. Um, he's a little bit of a raw talent. He's come from a, a, a lower standard of, of football. But he looks quite comfortable he looks like he'll fit in nicely scott seems to think that there's big things ahead for him so he might be the sort of player who's not always part of the regulations team on a saturday afternoon but he'll be one of those very vital squad players that can come in and fill in and do a decent job as and when the season gets going and you get the likes of you know injuries and suspensions creeping in for, for certain players um what are your thoughts on,
1: is it Kamari? Kamari? Swire? Uh, on loan from West Ham? Yeah,
2: Yeah, difficult to tell really because he only met up with the team he only signed on Saturday afternoon at 2.15 he was on the bench on Saturday afternoon he came on for about the last 20 minutes but like I said to a few people he must have something about him to have been signed by a Premier League club and a lot of uh, you know when I was told about the signing was going to be made um, a lot of people were saying he'd be very reminiscent of uh, James Balaghese from last season who came on loan from Liverpool. So he'll be a very similar sort of player. And the player that they have signed this afternoon is a a central defender called Will Wright. Um, I'm led to believe he's very, very good. He's come from Gillingham, but he's also played at Luton as well. He's played about 130 odd times for Dagenham and Redbridge in the National League. He's a central defender. He's very good on set pieces. So I think Scott is aiming to play a different way this season. And from what I've seen of the games. Crawley are going to have a good amount of possession of the ball this season. They just need to make sure that they play the, the final ball, maybe the killer ball at the appropriate time because there were one or two occasions on Saturday when I thought they sort of turned back and, and started again. but you know maybe that's what, as, that's what Scott has instilled into them that you know if it's not on to play that final ball, at the right time then just turn back and go backwards and keep possession because whilst crawley have got it the other team can't do anything to to hurt them can they
1: yeah so how is Cory adai looking he um struggled early he looks like he's the heir apparent to glenn morrison is going to be the starter um in the back there between the pipes so to speak and how does yeah. he look
2: look very comfortable difficult to gauge things against crystal palace because they put out a very very strong lineup and he was He was beaten four times in the first sort of 25 minutes or so and that's not going to do the the confidence of a goalkeeper any good but (laughs) but what i saw on saturday um looked very good he's always his distribution has always been good um you you look at that goal of the season last year that, that telford scored against hartlepool that comes all the way from corey sort of launching it forward over the back of the defense and everything um but it looks like they've worked quite a lot on his um on his distribution with his feet um, does that make sense? Yeah. So if the ball gets played back from a back pass and he can't pick it up, then to to have the sort of comfort on the ball to Composure. take a couple of touches and then just sort of start building again. Even goal kicks, as much as you know, Crawley almost got caught a couple of times on Saturday, he's still trying to knock it short. Um, Jay Williams was coming short to pick it up. Harry Ransom was coming short to pick it up. And then Crawley were trying to build sort of what we call through the thirds. So defence midfield attack as it were just waiting and as i say waiting for the final moment to to play that killer pass and they did it extremely well on two occasions on two occasions on saturday afternoon to, to find the two goals
1: so what are your thoughts on the team where i've seen lots and lots of predictions and they've been pretty consistent where people think crawley town is going to finish and it's not good uh pretty much rock bottom 24 which i think is okay. fair for um the turmoil that uh, the team has been through and all of, the, all of the congestion and the confusion but what are your thoughts on where do you expect the team to win i mean do you expect them to get promoted and and like they said last year go undefeated and skip league what <laughs> you um, or no
2: that would be <clears> that would be ideal that would be ideal but i I'd- I'm not sure that's a realistic expectation. I think a lot of people's expectations are maybe based on what happened last season, but obviously things weren't great. And we'll all hold our hands up and say that, you know, maybe a little bit fortunate to, to still be in League Two, but, you know, Crawley found the results when they mattered. And I think what you have to think about, uh, Brant, is from when Scott came in, the home form was phenomenal. Only one team came to the Broadfield Stadium and picked up the three points and that was Carlisle who ended up going on to be promoted into League 1 but aside from that you think you know the other teams that came down Salford came down and lost Tranmere came down and lost you know yes there were a few draws Drew with Colchester Grimsby Doncaster Drew with Warsaw in the last home game I think it's the away form where Crawley obviously need to improve things only two away wins last season isn't great is it one of those at Wimbledon and then that that wonderful win at Hartlepool towards the end of the season that, that pretty much ensured safety um, and sent Hartlepool down yeah, exactly. Yeah. All in, in one ninety minutes. It was a quite a scary afternoon to be in amongst seven thousand Hartlepool fans who were <laughs> sort of baying for blood from by the final whistle. Um my expectation, I think, is that, that Crawley will certainly finish mid table. I think they, I think they might surprise a few people. And I think I feel now a little bit more optimistic than I did when I first started seeing some of the you know the, the, the incomings and the outgoings of, of certain players because now having seen the players that are coming in and, and the quality that they can bring and the way that I think Scott is trying to build the team and the way he wants them to play then I, I think I'm more confident and it's funny because a few people just from my reports on Saturday afternoon onto the radio have messaged me to say Gary I feel more confident now from what you were saying about what the side are trying to do and one or two fans that I spoke to on the way out of the ground on Saturday also said, yeah, I thought, thought we played really well. Even after the defeat by Crystal Palace, Scott was still very positive because he said, yes, we've been beaten by a Premier League side, but we should be beaten by a Premier League side. And Crystal Palace had pretty much, you know, almost a first team out. He said, but I thought, he said, I thought my team did exactly what I asked of them. We were undone by four, you know, wonderful moments of Premier League quality. Oh, five maybe he said because Corey had to make a, a wonderful save at one point but he said aside from that he said that the side did everything I could have asked of them, they played the way that I wanted them to play everybody did the job that I wanted them to do, he said so I'm not, I'm not disappointed to have lost 4-0 he said if you come to me after the Bradford game and we've lost 4-0, I'll have a different opinion but he said to stand here after losing 4-0 against Crystal Palace, he said I'm yes I, I don't like to lose games but he said my side did everything that I wanted them to do so I think he's, and he's, he's very in, intent on the fact that, because I said to him about not having a game this week after that game at Bromley on Saturday before the kickoff this coming Saturday. And he said, I'd have, I'd have refused to play, Gary. He said, because I don't need the players to be playing anymore. We've done a lot of miles. We've played a lot of games. I've used a lot of players, different positions. You know, you have to remember as well, that game against Palace came only 24 hours after a, a friendly away at Dover, where a lot of the players have played in the same game. He said, so I would have flatly refused all this week. He's going to be just about coaching, 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 coaching into the players to get them moulded and ready for Saturday. And I said to him off the record, do you know you're starting 11 then for next Saturday, Scott? And he he basically said, yeah, I think I do. He went, provided I get no real catastrophic injuries on the training (laughs) ground during the course of the week. Then he was like, yeah, I think I know what I'm going to go with. And I think I know what we're going to do. And I, I think he's quietly confident. And I... Before the game, is Scott the right man for the job? Is he the right man in the right place at the right time? And his supporters said, Yeah, very much so. He said, I, we, I think a lot of the supporters have got a lot of faith in Scott and what he's trying to build and what he's trying to do now for the season ahead.
1: Yeah, I i have to agree with him there. I think he is, uh, he looks like he has the makings of a really good coach. Of course, he is a good coach, or he wouldn't be coaching in the EFL. But I remember last season, we went through a uh, we like I had anything to do with it, but Carly went through a uh, a stint where they like lost six games in a row. Remember that I was, yeah. and it was looking pretty dire. And then all of a sudden, the form started to change, and that usually all comes from players getting behind a coach and doing what they're asked and following the system. We've seen it the same over here with Real Salt Lake in the last year. They've had an amazing run, and it's because the players. And the coach finally all got on the same page. And repetition and spending some time together really helped. So I'm hoping that that's the case here. Same with Crawley, that the players are behind the coach. The coach knows what he's uh, wants to do. And maybe this is a season, This maybe it starts out slow. But you still have the winter, the next uh, uh, window, the big window, right, um, mm-hmm. for transfers that maybe um, if things are going well. You can add a few pieces and end up, mid-table or higher like you're expecting.
2: I think another big thing to, uh, as well, Brant, is that Scott has had a whole pre-season with the squad this time round. What he took on in January was a squad that he inherited. So he might have had some, you know, what we'd label as maybe dead wood, that he, it wouldn't have been players that he might have got on board himself. Now he's had a whole summer to work with the squad on the way that he wants to play, bring players in that he wants to bring in, if players want to leave or have got to leave for contractual reasons, whatever it may be, then, you know, he, you know, he said to me another time, I don't want players around me who, who don't want to play for Crawley. I, I just want players who will go out and do what I want them to do. And I, I think the fans respect that as well. And he's had this whole preseason to, to get the squad into the shape that he wants.
1: And I thought, I don't know if it was from him or some other, I think it was from uh, Scott, the coach, about uh, the culture that he is he came into was not the best and they've worked on creating a better culture kind of talking about players not wanting to be there maybe the professionalism wasn't where it needed to be I think uh, I don't know if that was from Scott but I remember I read some quotes recently about the team and how that has changed so that's always you always want to hear that you want to hear your team is uh, you know playing like a national league team instead of performing and uh, acting like a league two team an EFL team
2: No, no, no. I I said to him on Saturday about Ronan Darcy. What will he bring then? Why is he a good addition to the squad? And he said, you know, about what he can do on the pitch. But he went off the pitch. He went because I've worked with him before at Swindon. He's a model professional. He'll be first in for training. He'll be last out for training. He'll lead by example. He'll do this. He'll listen. He'll learn. He'll go out. He'll motivate others. He'll take on board some of the younger players in the squad, you know, Raf Khalil and, and players like that. He'll. He'll try and help them along. The same as Ben Gladwin, pretty much another player that Scott had at Swindon. He said, because there was too much complacency all the way around the club when he first came on board, people rocking up for training late, training sort of half-hearted. He went, training wasn't really organised in, in a great way. You know, there was no, he went, when you when you run a training session, you, you've got to have an end, if you pardon the pun, you've got to have an end goal. You need something to come out of that training session, some sort of objective. He went, it was just, they were sort of going through the motions in training for the sake of, we have to be training. He went, now, you know, we've got a set objective of what we're trying to do in this session and what we're trying to do the next day. You know, players are not coming in late anymore. They're rocking up, looking a bit more professional, being professional. Obviously, now I've got a new training facility as well at the University of Sussex. So everything seems to be sort of coming together, um, you know, very, very nicely. And, and you know, like, that is all down to Scott and, and what he's managed to instill in, in the club.
1: Well, that's good. I can't imagine it was uh, the best of times when he joined the club. He was like the ninth or 10th coach by December. It felt like.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <he> was, yeah.
1: <laughs> it had to have been. I was,
2: if it had failed for Scott, Brad, you and I were next in line. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> if they'd let me on the pitch being an American. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, we we I could go on and on and chat Crowley, all the time but let's talk about the rest of the uh, EFL. What are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts that, that popped your your head? I know I saw Brentford had a nice draw over the weekend here in the states against was Aston Villa.
2: Aston Villa, yeah. Yeah, they they lost the two previous games out there. Um they lost to to Newcastle um 2-1 and they lost to Brighton as well. They're uh, flying back, I think, or flying back now because they're playing uh, the French side, Lille, um, at their, their home ground at the Gtech Community Stadium this coming Saturday. I believe that's a, a four o'clock kickoff. So I'll be trying to maybe keep half an eye on that one when Crawley are getting their second half underway. Um, but I think in terms of, of the EFL, as far as League Two is concerned, um, I think it's going to be really tough, Frank. You know, I, I think you'll have the usual suspects. You look at the sides who... Who didn't make it up in the playoffs last year? Stockport, uh, Bradford, and, and Salford—two of which are the first two opponents for Crawley, aren't they in the league? Bradford at home, and then Salford away. Um, you know they got they got bombed out of the playoffs last year. You look at Wrexham coming in. You look at Knotts County also came in from the National League.
1: Yeah, that's a you name at- that I wanted to bring up because they—no one's talking about them. Uh, both mm. Wrexham and Knotts County. Um, eclipsed Crawley's record for most points in the uh right yeah yeah, yeah and, they did and so the focus is on Wrexham but how, what's Knox County going to do
2: I I think they'll be they'll be top half as well um I don't think they'll set the division alike maybe as much as Wrexham but I think anybody who goes to Knox County will find it a very very tough place to go they've got a they've always got a, a tremendous following I went there uh I went there once with Crawley and I went there once with Woking as well to commentate. They've always got a, a very, very uh, vocal partisan crowd always behind them. Um, so I don't think any side that go there will find it particularly easy. You've also got the four teams that are, are dropping out of League One who will be determined to try and sort of make their stamp and get back to League One at the first attempt. You know, the MK Dons, Forest Green Rovers, uh, Morecambe and and Accrington Stanley, isn't it? Who you know, we know came down to Crawley last season in the first round of the FA Cup, didn't they? And, and won um, by four goals to one. So they'll be looking to make their mark. You've also got the likes of Mansfield. You know, they'll be thereabouts again. They they finished just outside the playoffs last season. Gillingham, I think, will be making a push for the top half of the table. It, it's going to be very, very, very tough. Any any victory that any side picks up this season is going to have to be uh, very thoroughly and, and hard earned three points for a victory because they're, they're not going to be easy to come by yeah uh, I think home form for a lot of teams is going to be very very vital
1: and I'm curious to one of the teams I'm curious about that came down back down is Forest Green they had a horrible horrible season last year their coach left and he didn't what did he go to Watford and lasted about he, 10 games and then did he end up a, is he the coach at Lutontown
2: yeah I think he is yeah he's taking them to the Premier League yeah
1: yeah, um, what are your thoughts on Luton Town? Yeah, that's is that a big story over there? The everybody's talking about their tiny little stadium and playing it, against the big boys. Yeah, it's a
2: it's a huge story. Um, yeah, they, they you know if I'm going back sort of 20, 30 years, they were always a, a top flight side. They had a couple of runs, a couple of decent runs in some of the cup competitions as well. I think they won the League Cup towards the back end of the eighties. And um, I, but think, I think didn't the they didn't get. That,
1: relegated the season before the premier league is that yeah or, i
2: think they did and that, yeah they, they had some i think they might have had a couple of sort of back-to-back relegations as well because they ended up in the national league didn't they and they've worked their way sort of you know back up from the national league to the premier league i think it's in the space is it 13 years or something i remember reading that somewhere i think they've got one player in their squad who's been with them all that time as well yeah so he's played in every, every single league you know gone through the whole thing with them and have um, they
1: did they let him go because if he's if he play, gets into a game in the Premier League, then he'll be the first player yeah. to do
2: that. Exactly, yeah. I don't know whether they let him go or not or whether they're going to you know, possibly try and keep him on board to, to, to get that accolade of being the first player to sort of play in all the top five divisions, as it were. Uh, a lot of people are, are writing them off already. Um, you know, Maybe that might work in Luton's favour. That's, that's something that the manager can take on board and say, look, we don't need any more motivation than this. Well, I think they'll surprise a few people. You know, I, I think they'll be in the the bottom half of the table, but they might surprise a few people. And I, you know, I, I wish them all the very best, except for the two occasions when they play Brentford during the course of the season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, the first game I ever watched over there was Luton Town versus Crawley. Yeah.
2: And yeah, i remember you saying.
1: I love that story because I I was going whoever won the game I was gonna be my team and I was gonna watch them uh, move up the table and Crawley Town. I pretty much decide, picked Crawley Town by halftime, and they ended up winning 2 0, I think, over Luton okay. Town, but uh, it's kind of not been as successful. So I, a, the fact that they're in the Premier League cracks me up uh, because I'm still a, <laughs> a Crawley Town fan, no matter what, and the, the team that yeah. I watch first is in the Premier League. So, so well, I, okay. I apologize to all Crawley Town fans for doing that to them. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick Luton, it might have been a different story. Crawley Town would be you, in you the Premier might. League.
2: <laughs> yeah you never
1: know so well i really appreciate you joining us again is there any other thoughts on uh what do what do you think is going to be the biggest story across the four efl leagues if you were to predict right now we check in at the end of the season is there any big stories out there that you're curious to watch
2: wow um how, no, how much really is quick. Man
1: City going to cheat this year? What's this, are they ever going to get punished <laughs> for cheating, or are they just going to go on winning cups?
2: I think they'll still go on winning things. I, I, I take great delight in the fact that they only lost five league games last season, and, and two of those were to Brentford. Brentford were the only team to beat them home and away last season, and <laughs> I was obviously quite delighted by that. The only team to go and win at the Etihad last season we were in the league. Um, I don't know if there's a big story to be totally honest. I mean there might I think in each division there's always a team that surprises people uh, or a team that sort of starts off you know like a you know, like a race or something and maybe gallops into a a six or seven or eight point lead after an early stage of the season but it's it's just maintaining that consistency, isn't it because you know the old cliche says it's it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, you know why can't that team be Crawley Town? this season, you know, they might be the, the team that surprises a few people because, you know, like like Scott has quite rightly said, and like I just said about Luton Town, that that motivation can surely just be that, that people have written them off before a ball has even been kicked. Um uh, uh, and if you know we know from if the Broadfield stadium is is packed out, uh, you know, with a decent turnout of away fans as well, we know that the Crawley home fans can be as, as loud as, as noisy and as supportive as as any other team supporters in the division so it's going to be vital that they're there in their numbers i think week in week out for certainly for every single home game to get behind scott and the boys because it's it's going to be a tough season um but i think it's going to be an okay season is my uh that, that's really that's really on the fence isn't it brad <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm gonna i'm gonna hang my head okay season yeah uh, i would take okay, okay.
1: after last okay. season i think every crawley town fan would take okay
2: well, let's just say my prediction is then that Crawley will finish in a, a far higher position than they did last season, and they'll be safe well before the penultimate game of the season. Let's put it that way.
1: That would be wonderful. That would be <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Knock on wood. So. Yeah,
2: absolutely. There you go.
1: Or touch wood, as they say, right? Yeah. So. All right, Gary. Well, thank you for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you all through the season, talk about okay. uh, Crawley Town and all of the things going on in english football over there
2: lovely stuff thanks Brent. thanks for your time
1: you're welcome thank you
2: okay take care bye-bye
0: recording stopped
1: thank you gary hope, hope no I, worries, mate. was that enough? okay i didn't cut you too close did I?
2: no 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 that was fine absolutely fine mate no worries at all so um i'll hopefully hear from you on saturday afternoon
1: oh yeah i'm gonna be in seattle uh my wife's doing her yarn thing but I will. I okay. got my pass. I will be watching the game somehow. Of course, I think it'll be, is it 3 there, right?
2: Yeah, 3 here.
1: So it'll be 7 a.m. And, yeah,
2: I'll have. I'll be up watching it. Okay. I'll be your breakfast show. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad. Oh, I'll talk to you then. We'll see you. Cheers, Bye. mate. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. Join Brant, Tyler, and Brennan every week wherever you get your podcasts. Share with your soccer loving friends, download, subscribe, rate, and follow. You can find them on Twitter at RSL RandomFan and at RSL Random Fan Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out via email at Podcast at Yahoo.com. Thank you for listening.